Hello, and welcome to the Gods, Ghosts, and Spirits podcast. I'm Peyton. I'm Lawrence. I'm Eve. I'm Sarah. And we are Group Death. Ominous name, but it has a cool meaning. Originally, we were Group 4. If you know anything about Asian culture, you'll know that 4 is a very superstitious number. This is because it sounds like the word for death. But today, we're not talking about death. Instead, we're going to talk about a love story that takes place in China, the tale of Qixi. In our podcast, we will go more in-depth and discuss the significance of this story in relation to Chinese history. Going as far back as the Han Dynasty, 206 BCE to 220 AD, to the establishment of the Republic of China during the early 20th century. We argue that through this analysis, it will show the state of marriage structures during these time periods. In addition, we will discuss the global reach of the story by looking into its impact on Japanese culture and society during the Heian and Edo periods. But before we get more into it, we will start by reading you the popular version of Chishi. Once upon a time, a young cow herd named Miu Long encountered a beautiful girl taking a shower named Jinu, or Starweaver Girl in English, who was the goddess of heaven's seventh daughter and a fairy. The cow herder took her clothes and told the weaver girl that if she wanted to get her clothes back, she must be his girlfriend. She agreed. Later, the weaver girl fell deeply in love with the cow herder and the two got married without the knowledge of the goddess. The weaver girl proved to be a wonderful wife, and the cow herder to be a good husband. They lived happily and had two children. But the Wamu Nyan goddess of heaven, found out that the weaver girl, a fairy girl, had married a mere mortal. The goddess was furious and ordered the weaver girl to return to heaven. On earth, the cow herder was very upset that his wife had disappeared. Suddenly, his ox began to talk, telling him that if he killed it and put on its hide, he would be able to go up to heaven to find his wife. Surprisingly, the ox is actually a god expelled from heaven. Crying bitterly, he killed the ox, put on the skin, and carried his two beloved children off to heaven to find the weaver girl. The goddess discovered this and was very angry Taking out her hairpin, the goddess scratched a wide river in the sky to separate the two lovers forever, thus forming the Milky Way between them. The weaver girl must sit forever on one side of the river, sadly weaving on her loom, while the cow herder watches her from afar while taking care of their two children. But once a year, all the magpies in the world would take pity on them and fly up into heaven to form a bridge so the lovers may be together for a single night, which is the seventh night of the seventh moon in the Chinese calendar. Now, Lawrence, you're from China, right? 
That's right. I'm from Beijing. And was Chishi a popular tale you heard when you were growing up? Yes, it's really a popular tale in my country. And、um, the story you told is actually in my elementary school's textbook. Oh, I see. Very interesting. Now, the story I just read is actually not the first version. When I did some research, I found that this tale has its origins in star reading that took place between 771 to 476 BCE after the Shang Dynasty. Jinu, the star weaver girl, was called Vega because the star would reach its highest point in the sky during the seventh moon, late August, on the Chinese calendar, which happened to be the time to prepare clothes for the ninth month. Then the original name for Nilong. The cowherder was Alter, and this star reached its highest point during the eighth month. This was also during a time when people made preparation for ritual sacrifice. Because of this, in the past, Nulong was sometimes referred to in a different name that translates to pulling cows, which is part of the prep for the sacrifice. Then, after that, the love story was finally formed during the Han Dynasty, which was between 206 BCE to 220 AD. Now, Lawrence, can you go into more detail of this time period and how it relates to Qixi? Sure. So the story in Han Dynasty goes like this: There was a weaver girl who is the daughter of the god, live on the east side of the Milky Way. She spent all her day on weaving for years, and she made a lot of fabulous clothes. The god pitied her because she lived by herself, and she only cares about weaving. So the god allowed the weaver girl to get married to a cowherder. Live on the west side of the Milky Way. After they got married, the weaver girl stopped her work, which made the god angry. He ordered the weaver girl to get back to the east side of the Milky Way and only allow them to meet once a year. Actually, this story could be served as a warning to Chinese people to continue their Confucian duty and listen to what your parents told you to do on their daily work after they got married. Don't get lazy like this too long. Otherwise, you won't have clothes to wear for the winter and food to eat for the next year. This story could also give us some insight into the marriage in China in Han Dynasty. One is how Confucianism influenced our marriage. Confucianism became the sole dominant ideology in Han Dynasty. One of the core values in Confucianism is filial piety. Basically, it means children should obey what parents says and. Also, can extend to people who is more respectful than you. According to Mengzi, a great philosopher, second to Confucius, there are three important things to do to be filial piety: one, to support and wait upon parents, to respect your parents, and to reproduce posterity to continue parents' lineage. Their marriage is arranged by Virgo's father. A father and his social status made Vivergo and Cowherder have no choice but to follow his instruction. Mengzi also suggests that there is three crimes against filial piety: to leave no posterity is the worst. Back then, China is an agricultural society. A son can be important workforce in agriculture, fulfill the filial piety duty, and do the ancestral worship after parents' death. Son can comfort the dead spirit of his dead parents, and that might be why parents want to arrange marriage for their children to make sure they have a son. That's actually a really interesting point to bring up because I also did some research on marriage during the Han Dynasty. 
And I found that although Confucianism was important in early Chinese society, sometimes families, especially rural families, couldn't feasibly carry through with these ideals. For example, when I was looking for secondary sources, I came across a will from the Han Dynasty. The will was written by Zhu Ling, a landowner who was most likely dying of illness. In it, he dictates how his land will be distributed after his death. In addition, a person called the Old Woman, who historians later deduct that she is Julien's mother, plays a major role in this land inheritance. This reveals multiple things. First, the weakness of patrilineal lineage in lower-class families. For example, in the will, historians are able to deduct that after Julien's father's death, the old woman returned to her own family along with her son. Second, the professor goes into ooks or a local marriage. This is where a son of poor parents would be sent to live with his wife's family, a strategy for preserving wealth and family lineage. However, this went against many laws and customs. For example, Qing Dynasty law prohibited husbands in ooks or local marriages from holding government office, commanding the household, or even conferring on others a household's lands or buildings. And a 214 BCE purge directed against undesirable elements in Qing Dynasty persecuted men residing with their wives' families. And that is also in our story. The river girl is daughter of God, and call her there is just a normal farmer. So their marriage is kind of a extra local marriage. And move on to the second version of the story in Northern and Southern Dynasty. Northern and Southern Dynasty is a period after the collapse of Han Dynasty. It's an age of civil war and political chaos. Healthy men are usually forced to serve for the army. They make families don't have a stable incomes. Money issue might be a common problem most families face in that period. As we mentioned earlier, Confucianism became the sole dominant ideology in Han Dynasty since then. Confucianism remained its role throughout imperial China history. It was not until the new culture movement the Confucian idea was first questioned by the Chinese, and it's also the time when the version Peyton introduced emerged. Returned students from Europe and America brought the Enlightenment idea into China, for example, science and democracy. A group of dedicated young professors started to translate Western articles and post many articles discussing ideas of family and state from a brand new perspective on several magazines. These magazines had huge influence on college students and general public. They were criticizing on Confucianism ideas like filial piety for the South hold China back. After the revolution that overthrew Qing Dynasty in 1911, the president of Republic China, Yuan Shikai, decided to restore the monarchy in China. Although his attempt failed in the end, it was considered as a great backward to the revolution. Scholars believe that the reason why democracy and capitalism didn't work is the influence of traditional thought and Confucianism. Criticizing Confucianism was unbelievable before 1911. However, since then, in university like Peking University, students and professors were discussing and criticizing the concept of filial piety and a lot of different Confucian ideas in class. Those changes in society and people's thought are reflected in the story we first introduced at the beginning. In the third version, the cow herder and the river girl fall in love 
and their marriage is against the will of the Virago's parents. Furthermore, after the goddess got angry, Cowherder killed the ox to reunion with Virago. In the original story, Cowherder and Virago basically did what their parents told them to do, and even they were separated by the god. But in the latest story, they challenged the, their parents from the beginning of the story, and it also reflects the cultural movement at the time, and how filial piety was challenged by the scholar. Children do not have to follow what their parents told them to do, and they have freedom to do whatever they want. All right, so it's obvious after Lawrence's explanation that Qixi has a very long history in China. However, it also has roots inside of Japan. Well, in Japan, it's not as much about the story, but it's more about the celebration. In modern-day Japan, this festival is a large-scale celebration. It can be found among the streets and the malls. The celebration is really focused on the children. It's a very electric celebration with food and carnivalesque games lining the streets. There are parades, decoration competitions, and even a Miss Tanabata contest. The star of the festival is the Tanabata tree, no pun intended. Children write their wishes onto colorful strips of paper and then tie it to the sacred bamboo tree. Then afterward, they take the strips off the trees and float them in the river. These trees can be individually owned by families, but they can also be found in various stations in the bigger cities in Japan. It is a festival of wishes and love, thus it is considered the Valentine's Day of Japan. The Tanabata festival today is also different to how it was celebrated originally. Yeah, the celebration of this festival has definitely changed throughout time. During the Heian period, which is the earliest the festival was believed to be celebrated, the festival had more of a focus on writing poetry. People in the courts would write poems on strips of paper and then send them down the streams. And then after that, during the Edo period, there were even more changes towards the celebrations of Tanabata. At this time, knitting and calligraphy were becoming more popular. This was done as a way to wish for things, and then they would also give offerings of fruit and vegetables to the gods. Originally, the wishes were written on mulberry leaves, but now they are written on paper in five different colors, as you mentioned before. It was also believed that by partaking in this festival, you would become a better writer or weaver. Tanabata was first introduced by Empress Koken in 755 from China. So, mixed into this festival are a lot of Chinese and Shinto ideas. Empress Koken introduced the story to Japan in the Nara period, 710 to 794, and it became a tradition of the courts in the Heian period, 794 to 1185, to celebrate the festival as a sort of harvest festival. The Heian period was heavily influenced by the Tang dynasty and carried over many ideas such as Confucianism and Buddhism into the Japanese culture. It was also in this period when the Japanese created their own writing system based off of Chinese characters, and calligraphy was greatly emphasized. Thus, participants in the Tanabata festival wished for skills in calligraphy as well as weaving, and an abundant harvest. But in the Heian period, this was reserved for the courts. Later in the Edo period, this celebration spread to the common people, and it evolved to how it is celebrated today. In both periods, women outside of the courts did not have much power, but the festival's emphasis of women's skill in weaving shows the influence of women on the rituals of the courts. Eve, can you tell me a little bit more about why the kanji for Tanabata can be read Shichiseki, but actually read Tanabata? Right, so the Japanese language has three different writing systems, kanji, hiragana, and katakana. Hiragana is for Japanese words, 
Katakana is for foreign words, and kanji are Chinese characters. Hiragana is mainly used for grammar, while kanji and katakana are used for vocabulary. Because kanji comes from China, there are multiple ways of reading it in the Japanese language. The kanji for Tanabata can be read Shichiseki, but it is actually read Tanabata. However, there is another kanji for Tanabata. This kanji is for a special clothing that was used in the Buddhist purity cleansing festival where a woman would be chosen to knit the cloth and then present it to the gods to wish for an abundant harvest and to rid themselves of uncleanliness. Most likely, the reading of Tanabata was changed to be read from Shichiseki to Tanabata because of this already existing tradition that is related to weaving. So the kanji's reading changes a lot, but also the story is pretty different from the Chinese version, isn't it? There are three significant differences. First, the Japanese version emphasizes the star weaver more than the Chinese version. And secondly, the Chinese version has themes of death, such as when the cowherd must sacrifice one of his cows and wear its skin. And third, the origin of the Milky Way is described in the Chinese version, but is unclear in the Japanese version. So in all the Chinese versions, the legend starts with the perspective of the cowherder. He is the hero of the story who falls in love with the fairy and chases after her when she returns to heaven. The grandmother of the fairy separates them by carving the Milky Way between them. The Japanese version begins with the star weaver weaving a banner of stars by the Milky Way. It is her father, god of the heavens, who brings the star weaver and the cowherder together and also separates them. The function of the Japanese legend of Tanabata is ambiguous. The Chinese legend was created in order to explain the creation of the Milky Way and the bright stars of Altair and Vega. The Japanese legend gives no explanation for the Milky Way. There is another legend of the creation of the Milky Way in the Japanese culture. This tells of an oni who cuts open a melon and the juices flood the sky forming the Milky Way. As Peyton and Lawrence discussed, the Chinese legend is a reflection of various values throughout the history of China. The story was written to explain the astrology of the stars and the different aspects of the story changed over time as the story was told from different perspectives. Yeah, the differences in these Chinese versions dealt with the reason for the punishment of the star weaver and the cowherder. When it was brought over to Japan, it was popularized in the courts of Japan by the empress. The concern in the Japanese context was not for explaining the astrology of the stars, but that astrology complemented the story. More emphasis was put on the weaver and women's rituals rather than the cowherder. The story in Japan instead influenced the way that the rituals were performed, rather than the changing culture of Japan affecting the story. Definitely. The story of the star weaver and the cowherder and its assimilation into Japanese culture gives us the insight into the connections between Chinese and Japanese culture. Even though both stories are very similar, there are cultural intricacies that allow both cultures to call the story their own. Throughout this podcast, we have discovered various things. First, Chishi is not only a story for entertainment, but one that showcases Chinese marriage structures throughout its history. The Han Dynasty version exemplifies Confucian values by emphasizing things such as laziness, thus serving as a warning to any citizen who wished to break these traditions. However, as mentioned in the podcast, some families had to make difficult decisions in order to continue their lineage and go against the norms of their society. The story then develops showing the importance of money and China breaking away from Confucian values during the 20th century. Chishi was also important in Japan when it became Tanabata during the Nara period, where it focused more on the weaver girl. Tanabata is also an insight into how Chinese culture was integrated into Japanese society.
thus showcasing that one story served many different functions in these two countries. Today, Chishi and Tanabata are still widely celebrated festivals and beloved tales in China and Japan. If you go to the two countries in July and August, maybe you'll be able to partake in these festivities and learn more about the love story of the cow herder and the star weaver. This has been Group Death, signing off.